noise of klaxons, the all-quarter alarm of sirens and whoopers and bells, the wreck lights blazing everywhere, and your reflexes took over. You'd never moved so fast, but it was too late. You had slammed the wrong button, and the dispatch tower was fouled up by that all-important eight-second margin. And only a minor miracle of seat-of-the-pants navigation by the young captain of the mapping ship, he was getting three medals for it, had saved the spaceport authority from the kind of disaster that waked people up, what people were left in screeching nightmares for twenty years afterward. Nobody had wasted words on Baron since. His name on the rep sheet had made him a pariah. He'd been told to vacate his quarters by 2700 that night and report for a new assignment, but nobody bothered telling him where. It was as simple as that. Five years in Darkover Spaceport and 17 in the service had been wiped out. He didn't feel especially mistreated. There wasn't room in the Terran Space Force for that kind of mistake. The corridor ended in an archway. A plaque, which Baron ignored after seeing it every day for years, told him he was now in central coordinating. Unlike the building where quarters were located, this one was constructed of native Darkovan stone, translucent and white as alabaster, with enormous glass windows. Through them he could see flaring blue spaceport lights, the shapes of ground craft and resting ships, and far beyond the light, pale greenish moonlight, it was a half an hour before dawn. He wished he'd stopped for some breakfast. Then he was glad he hadn't. Baron wasn't thin-skinned, but the way the men ignored him in the cafeteria would put anyone off his food. He hadn't bothered eating much in the last couple of days. There was always the old town, the Darkovan part of Trade City, where he sometimes slipped away for exotic food when he was tired of the standard fare of the quarters, there weren't a few restaurants which catered to spacemen and tourists who came for exotic delicacies, but he hadn't felt like trying to pass the guards. He might have been stopped. They might have thought he was trying to escape an official process. He wasn't officially under arrest, but his name was Mud. He left the duffel bag outside the narrow bank of elevators, stepped in, and pressed the topmost button. The elevator soared up, depositing him outside the dispatch room. He lowered his head, passing it without a glance inside, and headed for the coordinator's office in the penthouse. And then, without warning, he was standing on a high parapet, winds flowing icily around his body, ripping at him with enough force to tear his clothes off, ridging his skin with goose flesh and pain. Below him, men screamed and moaned and died over the sounds of clashing steel, and somewhere he heard stone falling with a great crunching rumble like the end of the world. He couldn't see. He clung hard to the stone, feeling frost bite with fiery teeth at his stiff fingers, and felt the sickness rising in his throat. So many men, so many dead, all of them my people and my friends. He let go of the stone. His fingers were so cramped that he had to pry them off with his other hand. He caught his blowing garments around him, feeling an instant of incongruous physical comfort in the thick fur against his cold hands, and went swiftly on groping feet through the blind dark. He moved as in a dream, knowing where he was going without knowing why. His feet knew the familiar path. He felt the move from flagstone to wood parquet to thick carpeting, 
then down a long flight of stairs and up another flight, farther and farther, until the distant sounds of battle and falling walls were muffled and finally silenced. His throat was thick, and he sobbed as he went. He passed through a low archway, automatically ducking his head against the stone arch he had never seen and would never see. A current of chill air blew on him. He fumbled in the darkness for something like a loose hood of feathery textures. He drew it downward swiftly, and he thrust his head through the feathers, pulling it down. He felt himself falling back, and in the same instant he seemed to rise, to soar upward and swoop outward on the wings of the feathery substance. The darkness suddenly thinned and was gone, and light broke around him. Not through darkened eyes, but through the very skin of his body, and he felt cold, reddish light and frosty clouds. Weightless, born on the feather dress, he...